The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today it is a great honor to welcome Dr. Holly Benjamin. She is an associate professor of pediatrics at the University of Chicago Medical Center. Her specialty is sports medicine and non-surgical musculoskeletal injuries. She has been nationally recognized for her expertise in treating all types of athletic injuries in young patients. She is currently the chair of the Committee on Sports Medicine and Fitness for the Illinois chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And most importantly for us today, she is the co-author of a critically important paper called Sports Drinks and Energy Drinks for Children and Adolescents, Are They Appropriate? And it is published in the June 2011 issue of Pediatrics. Welcome, Dr. Benjamin. It's an honor to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, I think what we should do first for our listeners is talk about the difference between sports drinks and energy drinks. What are the differences? Well, that's really, you're getting at really why we wanted to write the paper in the first place is we saw two important trends, and that is that both sports and energy drinks and their use in children was on the rise, and, and I don't think anyone would debate that. And the second thing was really the word energy. You know, energy was starting to become sort of a confusing term. Kids want energy. They need energy. You know, what are they supposed to do? Did they get an energy drink? Did they get a sports drink? And we saw that there was a real need to define and differentiate what those are. Okay. So let's start with sports drinks. We get energy from sports drinks from a nutrition perspective because they contain carbohydrate, but they're not marketed that way. Well, I think to a certain extent that they are. I mean, I, I my message is really that think of a sports drink as being useful when you're doing sports. And when you need energy, you don't start off needing energy. Kids are pretty active, and we need to keep up with them usually as adults. And uh, But eventually, if they're doing enough exercise for a long period of time, they may need something more than water. So for the first hour of exercise, water enough keeps kids going. After an hour of exercise, they've probably used up enough of their energy from their carbohydrate in their body, as well as through sweat, lost enough water and a lot, enough salt that it's time to replenish that. And that is by far the best use for a sports drink. So activities that last less than one hour, sports drinks really aren't implicated or indicated. They're really not necessary. Water alone. Okay. Now, what about the energy drinks? Are they appropriate for athletes? Energy drinks are never appropriate. Energy drinks define their name, energy, because... They contain caffeine or some other stimulant substance that acts like a drug to increase alertness, and it really is unfair for athletes or really any other child to think that that's a healthy way 
to get energy. So why the appeal? Well, I think everyone's looking for an edge, and, and energy sounds good. If I need energy, let's get an energy drink. And, and some energy drinks have carbohydrate in them as well. So they're trying to mimic a sports drink, but adding drug-like substances that really have no place in the diet of children. And some of these also have other substances that are related to caffeine that really have an additive effect. And it's we, we really just don't know exactly how significant that is or how severe that is. We do know that a stimulant substance like caffeine affects the body head to toe. You can't just be a little bit more alert. It's going to hit your brain, your heart, your lungs, your stomach, and your muscles. Yeah, I remember my son when he was in school. He was in middle school at the time. And one of the soft drink companies had come out with a new beverage, and I can't remember the name of it now, but they gave free samples to the kids, inappropriately, if you ask me, but they did. And, of course, it was at the end of school. My son was thirsty. He drank a whole lot of it. And that night he was laying in bed with his eyes wide open saying, I can't sleep. I don't know what's wrong with me. And so I guess I'm wondering how much caffeine is is dangerous for children. Well, they really don't need any caffeine at all, bottom line, and it's addictive. And so uh, we do want to watch caffeine intake at all. So it's really hard in kids to quantify what level is dangerous. But there are some guidelines for that. And it's unfortunately, it gets a little bit complicated because it's a little bit individual. Some kids might get toxic or overdose actually on caffeine more easily than others. And it also has to do a bit with their weight. So we just, it's hard to put an exact number on it. But kids can have as little as one or two cans of a cola and have probably the equivalent of half a cup of coffee and have significant side effects from that. Now, if you take an energy drink, the standard energy drink, a single serving size that should be eight ounces, and it's very hard to find one that's only 8 ounces. Many of them are 20 ounces, and they contain two and a half serving sizes. That is a typical 8-ounce serving size, has at least as much caffeine as at least 4 ounces of, co- of four servings of Coca-Cola, so four cans of Coke. And a typical 20-ounce drink, like your Monster Energy drink or, or one of those bigger cans, can have as much as 10 to 14 cola cans, and as much as a 20-ounce coffee, which is really also a double serving of coffee. Nobody's going to send their kid to play soccer with two large cups of coffee in them, so why would you give them an energy drink? Is there a danger in combining an energy drink with physical activity? Well, that's another good question. Research-wise, we don't know for sure if there's a direct correlation, because it's just very difficult. No one's going to give a child an energy drink who's a researcher and then study them with potentially adverse effects. Right. But if it can cramp up your stomach, if it can make your blood pressure go up, your heart beat faster than it should, and make your muscles cramp, I wouldn't want to start my exercise with any of those potential side effects in my body. So there are some dangers there. To me, that's just common sense. But it's going to, again, be very individualized. It will depend on the child, 
their size, their age, the activity that they're doing, and the environment they're doing it in. Certainly a higher risk environments are always those hot, humid environments. Mm-hmm. Now, are you aware of any school districts that have specifically banned the sale of energy drinks? Oh, I think that the energy drinks in general are, are not, at least I hope that they're not in schools. They're certainly not in our schools in Illinois. The sports drinks are in the vending machine. Right. The biggest problem with the energy drinks is they are otherwise readily available. You walk by the aisle, and they're side-by-side with the sports drinks, with the colas. They're just sitting there on the shelves. And probably my least favorite, the one that scares me the most of an energy drink are those little shots, those one or two ounce, highly concentrated ones that are at the checkout, at your gas stations and uh, in the grocery stores that you can just grab. Because at least if I drink a 20-ounce, big can of an energy drink, I'm thinking, I've just drunk a fairly large beverage, and I've probably had a lot of caffeine from it or a lot of you know substance. But if I have the same amount of caffeine in a super ultra-concentrated two-ounce little drink, I may not realize that I just took two and a half servings of drug in a tiny little bottle. Mm-hmm. And there are no laws through the Food and Drug Administration that require a warning statement or even, is there a requirement, and I should know this, but is there a requirement that has some sort of milligram listing of the caffeine on these? You bring up two very good points. Every energy drink that I researched and that we we looked at through the American Academy of Pediatrics had a tiny warning on it saying, caution in children and pregnant women. It's just sort of your standard standard disclaimer. But over half of the drinks we looked at had what you call on the label an energy blend. And those were the substances, those were the energy drinks that had more than one substance in it besides caffeine. So it's say, for example, 2,500 milligrams of energy blend. And then it would list caffeine, taurine, lysine, guarana, these kind of sounds like things that I don't want in my body. Mm-hmm. We, we even went to some of the manufacturers and we contacted the American Beverage Association and even they couldn't tell us in some of the energy drinks exactly how much caffeine was in those products. I think that's scary. I think it's scary, too. And what about the Food and Drug Administration? Is there any uh, move? I would think that an ask from the American Academy of Pediatrics would be a powerful ask to get some sort of stronger labeling on there. I I would like to see. I think as a result of this paper, that would be a very worthy cause for the American Academy of Pediatrics to look into. But I am not aware of any movement right now within the Food and Drug Administration to regulate the labeling further. Hmm. Well, this might be a nice joint effort through the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Dietetic Association, don't you think? 
I think so. That's a great idea. Well, let me ask you something else. And we should talk a little bit more about some of those other energy ingredients because I think most of our listeners probably know that caffeine is a stimulant. But there are other ingredients there, and you listed one um, that always piques my interest. It's guarana, G-U-A-R-A-N-A. And the way that I've seen it marketed is that it's a natural form of energy, right? People think that it, because it's more natural that it somehow is safer, and I would beg to differ. Oh, I agree completely. It is a plant extract. It does contain caffeine. Uh, it is definitely marketed. If, if you really look at that marketing, it's really not just increasing energy, but it's tended to market that it enhances physical performance and can promote weight loss. So that sounds very attractive to, oh, to me, um, possibly to children as well. But at one gram of guarana is equivalent to 40 milligrams of caffeine. That is almost double what's in a standard cola, like an a 8-ounce Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to look at guarana and try to understand quantities that are in drinks, you have to understand that it's much more powerful, so smaller amounts can have a similar effect. Mm. And there's really uh, not good research to be able to understand if it's uh, exponential. If you add guarana to caffeine, do you just simply get an additive effect or do you get like a super effect? Right. We just don't know. And then another ingredient, and maybe you can help us understand how this works, and that's taurine. It, what is taurine? Taurine is more like an uh, amino acid, so that that falls more into into the protein area. And amino acids again are what the amino acids that you tend to find in energy drinks, like arginine, glutamine, carnitine, uh, and taurine. They tend to potentiate or enhance the effect of caffeine. So they're there to make the energy drink. Give it a little extra buzz, if you will. I see. Interesting. And did you did you name another ingredient there also? Did glutamine. you say lysine or glutamine? Glutamine. Mm-hmm. The same. They're all the same. All the Very same. Very similar. And arginine. Yes. So those are potentiators of the of the more active energy enhancers. Correct. Okay. And those are well known to have heart effects. Those can cause the heart to beat faster, and that's the main one, basically. But in adults, it can actually cause spasms of the arteries and chest pain. Oh, my. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we are having a fascinating conversation and a very important one about sports drinks and energy drinks, especially with regard to children and adolescents. And we're speaking with Dr. Holly Benjamin, who is a physician at the University of Chicago Medical Center with an expertise in sports medicine with regard to children. Let me ask you something, Dr. Benjamin. Have you seen in your practice any children that have been specifically affected by these products that are over-consuming? I have. I've seen um, one I, one particular case comes to mind that I just saw very recently, and uh, that was a young athlete. Uh, I believe he was about 15, has attention deficit hyperactivity. He is on a medication for that. He drinks a Mountain Dew a day, but... This day, he drank two 20-ounce Mountain Dews within an hour and had a seizure at school and passed out 
and they had to call the ambulance, and he was admitted to the hospital. And would you say that was directly related to the energy drink, or was well, it the energy drink mixing with his medication and the suspected, We suspected it was a cross-reaction to it, and that was in consultation with a neurologist and a cardiologist. But the fact that that was one of the first questions that came to the emergency room doctor's mind, to the cardiologist and to the neurologist and to myself, certainly I think lends itself to the fact that while caffeine is very hard to test for, that's another problem with overdosing issues and uh, addiction and, and things like that, that it's it's always hard to prove. Mm-hmm. But I say where there's smoke, there's fire, and we can't find any other explanation, and he had two days' worth of testing and saw three specialists, and we couldn't find anything else to explain why he would have a seizure and pass out of school. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that it's very easy for kids to get these energy drinks, and the marketing is so seductive. I interviewed a few weeks ago a gentleman who used to work for Coca-Cola North America, and he had now he now moved into marketing baby carrots. But he described using the same strategies of marketing that they used for Coke products to market baby carrots, but the strategies used are, you know, they appeal to a teen's innate sense of just this drive to be exciting and interesting and have high energy. And so, you know, these extreme sports, for example, it seems like those students that are more susceptible to those kinds of advertisements would be more likely to want to drink some of these beverages. Well, there are personalities that are more risk takers versus risk averses and uh, are sort of like our extreme sport athletes. Mm -hmm. And um, that is a concern um, that they're more susceptible to the marketing. I, I have to tell you, it doesn't just appeal to teenagers, though, I found an energy drink on the shelf in a bright pink can with a juice box straw attached to it. Oh. Just just like a juice box in a little plastic straw, a little tiny straw, a little bendable top stuck right there, sucked on to the can. And I thought, wow, that's certainly not a common finding in your typical adult beverage. Right. You know, let's switch gears for just a moment. I think, would you like to give parents any sort of recommendation about these energy drinks? What what can we do to alert parents and hopefully school, schools, principals, teachers, coaches? Um, does the American Academy of Pediatrics have any toolkits or ideas for helping parents wade through some of these products? Well, we're hoping that this paper, which is available to Anyone in the public that wants to view our paper on sports and energy drinks is free at www.aap.org. And uh, you can just search sports drinks or energy drinks. And we do put in some recommendations. And that is, first of all, number one, have water readily available to all students in school. Encourage your kids to drink water at home. Make sure that when you talk about energy, energy drinks, You must think of them as you're after a drug-like effect that can potentially be addictive. And I don't think there's any parent out there that wants their child addicted to anything. So if they say they need energy, you should be looking at they need better sleep, they need maybe some food 
um, or maybe some sort of, of another beverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually that's water or milk or a small amount of recommended juice every day. So if, if they need energy, they shouldn't be getting it from an energy drink. They, you know, And if they use energy drinks on a regular basis and they're at the point where they say, I have to have this, mm. this otherwise I can't do my work or I can't function or I don't feel good, that's a classic sign of addiction because mm-hmm. caffeine withdrawal is associated with fatigue, irritability, trouble concentrating, lack of energy. So you you got to have open, honest discussions with your kids. You really do. Mm-hmm. And then just think of sports drinks as, as for sports. They're not a beverage for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You shouldn't drink them with snacks and meals. Um, they actually, besides the sugar effect, which is a problem, especially in our obese kids. They also have a high acid content, mm-hmm. and they can damage the enamel of the teeth. Mm-hmm. Yes, and somebody had told a dentist uh, had told me that the the sports beverages, especially the citrus flavored ones, are especially dangerous for the enamel on the teeth. That's correct. And again, probably not a problem if you're having it once or twice a week at a soccer game. Um, but if you're drinking two or three a day, especially at school, at lunch, or right after school, when you can't brush your teeth very easily and you can't take care of it, and if you do that, you know, five days a week, it's just a, it's not necessary and it's just a hidden danger. Now, I remember years ago going to a sports nutrition conference, and the individual who was presenting said that some of these sports beverages are better during activity than others, and then we we don't need them after the sport. After the sport, you can just go ahead and eat a meal. That these drinks were really designed to rehydrate and give a little, give a few minerals and some carbohydrate during the activity, and that some had more carbohydrate than others. And you have a wonderful chart here in this paper, and you show, for example, that Gatorade has 14 grams of carbohydrate for uh, per eight ounces, whereas the Powerade has. Uh, Powerade zero. Powerade zero has zero carbohydrate. I wonder how that could possibly be a sports beverage. And then regular Powerade has 19 grams of carbohydrate. And so there's some variation there. Is there an ideal number? You know, that's a great question. There really isn't, because unfortunately, how fast you burn off your sugar, and how much uh, your carbohydrate, and how much you need to replenish, how quickly, is very individual. But we found with Gatorade and, and Powerade and all that that, in general, you might be getting a little bit more than you need. You might be getting a little bit less than you need. But you're, when you're doing sports and you're using them for the right reasons, you'll be fine because it's a kind of a combination of water and salt and carbohydrate, and you need them. And your body is able to tolerate getting not quite enough or a little bit too much during exercise. It is important that if you exercise more than an hour, that you actually use them. We can't, I don't want the message to be that, well, I'm just going to avoid them entirely. So when I'm out there for two hours in football, I'm just going to drink water, water, water. Because you do need to replenish while you're exercising. So with regard to replenishment, now I have read that children will drink more if the beverage is flavored. So I've always been a big proponent of diluting fruit juice, for example. You're going to get a little bit of carbohydrate. You're going to get potassium. You won't get the sodium, but I think you can probably replace that with just a handful of pretzels at some point. Absolutely. So are are these commercial sports drinks 
really necessary? Are there alternatives? You raise another good point. There are alternatives. Uh, a handful of pretzels at a halftime of a soccer game or a tennis match or football are absolutely fine. So you can even stick with, with plain water if you're going to have some pretzels or maybe have a power bar or have a couple bites of a sandwich. If that's If you prefer to eat to replenish during intense exercise, that's completely fine. There were several studies that showed that not just a flavored beverage, but a slightly cooled beverage, mm. kids could drink double or even triple in the same amount of time. Oh, that's very And they enjoyed the beverage better. Hmm. I have to say, I remember from years ago looking at this topic, and you mentioned this earlier, that truly to get energy and truly to perform at our peak, the things that we really need the most don't come in a bottle. So sleep, for example, is something that we never talk enough about with regard to kids. And ironically, these beverages that contain the caffeine actually harm children's sleep and also the lack of sleep contributing to childhood obesity. So there are a lot of interwoven principles here. Absolutely. You summarized it so beautifully, Melinda. Well, thank you. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because, uh, you know, my children are now grown, but I remember so clearly those multiple sports events where we were really faced with these products, and they were so heavily marketed. They were in our high schools. Not only did our high schools have soft drinks, but they also had the sports beverages, and the coaches were sold on these things. And for a lot of kids, I mean, there are the star athletes that do play hard for over an hour, and probably during training, most of the kids do perform at a high capacity. But, you know, normally there are a lot of kids that sit out on the side. It's true. It is more difficult to understand how quickly an athlete like that can dehydrate. But kids can dehydrate even sitting on the sidelines in hot environments, humid environments, especially if they're wearing heavy equipment. Good point. So my message there, to make it as common sense and as easy as possible, is if your child is good, and this can be an adolescent as well, a high schooler, at recognizing when they're thirsty. Mm. If you're thirsty, you're at least 3% dehydrated. And the minute you hit 3% to 5% or even higher in terms of dehydration, performance falls off. Hmm. So if your kid is sitting on the sidelines, maybe he's been sitting out for 20 or 30 minutes, but he's thirsty, he should be drinking. Hmm. Well, Dr. Benjamin, we just have a minute left. Do you want to leave our listeners with one final message perhaps that I neglected to touch on? I think we hit all the points, but I think loud and clear the message is no energy drinks for kids. Adults make their choices with caffeine. It's a stimulant. It's a drug. It's addictive. No energy drinks for kids. If your school puts an energy drink in in their school, you should fight that tooth and nail. Um, We will continue to fight the battle with sports drinks to make sure that, that they are not marketed to kids that they are not used as beverages, and we'll we'll do our best. The Academy is behind all the people that are championing that bandwagon for us so our kids can be healthier, whether they're athletes or obese, trying to be athletes. We're there. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Benjamin, for being my guest today, and thank you for this terrific paper. 
our listeners, I just want to remind everyone, I want to thank you for joining us, certainly, but also to remind you that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And if you'd like to take a look at this paper, and I, I encourage you to do so, simply go to www.aap.org and search on the June 2011 issue of Pediatrics, and the paper is titled, Sports Drinks and Energy Drinks for Children and Adolescents, Are They Appropriate? Thank you again, Dr. Benjamin. You are welcome. If you put in sports drinks, you'll find it. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.